Well, I'd invite you to join me in Luke's Gospel as Jesus demonstrates the amazing grace the choir has just sung about this morning, um, specifically to a pair of sisters that you may have met in the Scriptures before. Their names are Mary and Martha. We had a little bit of an interesting Sunday morning last week and uh, sitting here in the worship service. Long story short, we had ended up in the emergency room with our youngest, uh, Juliana. She had some sort of allergic reaction uh, to, to uh, something that she had, had eaten, and there was an immediate outbreak. I mean, it wasn't sort of something wrong. It was something's really, really wrong. And so we drove right over to the, to the emergency room. Uh, long story short, everything was great. Appreciate so much your prayers and thoughts and uh, all the different ways that Julie and I heard from you uh, this week. And some, some of our sicknesses are like that, right? They're immediately recognizable. Immediately. It doesn't, it doesn't take, uh, you know, uh, a rocket scientist, as they say, to figure out something's not quite right. But then truth be told, there are other physical sicknesses that are extremely serious, but, but their effects are not so quickly observable, even though their ramifications are no less serious. Uh, some of us know what this is like in our lives. We, we've gone undiagnosed for a long period of time. Some of us can be sick and we don't even know it. This morning, as we go to Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at a spiritual sickness that, in a way, its effects are are not quickly diagnosed. But this disease, when it gets rooted in the heart, does have serious Consequences. I mean, we're not talking about one of what we call the seven deadly sins. By the way, somebody else other than, than God came up with that, with that title as if there's any sin that's not deadly. But the seven deadly sins are wrath and lust and sloth and gluttony, envy, greed, pride. They're all dangerous to our souls. But this, this one that we're going to look at in a morning is not... This morning is not often listed among the deadliest or most dangerous of sins. But we're going to take a trip to Bethany and we're going to see the great physician enter a home and make a startling diagnosis. For all of Martha's apparent health, she's actually quite sick. But here's what I want you to know on the front end about our great physician. He not only makes accurate and clear, an accurate and clear diagnosis, he also provides just the right prescription. Isn't that good news? He didn't come just say, here's here's what your problem is. Sorry about that. No, no, he's going to say, here's what the the diagnosis is, and, and then here is how to handle it. And my goal this morning is when we leave, after we've opened up God's word and we've studied it, we've heard from Jesus, is is that anybody who happens to have this same soul sickness will get a clear diagnosis, but also when you leave, you'll, you'll be able to say, but here's actually how to handle it. He gives a diagnosis and then he gives medicine as well. So let's pray together 
And then we'll study the scripture together. Father, thank you for Jesus and that he is the great physician. He's not perplexed about the condition of humanity. He knows all of us inside and out. And I thank you so much for the ways that you're at work among our church family. For us, even this past week, to be able to participate in life action, one cry, a, a season of refreshing with other area churches. And Father, I pray that you continue to do a great work among us. And I pray this morning that you'd find your people here eager, willing, humble. And Father, we, we pray for, for Jesus to speak clearly to us. And I pray if anybody needs this, this diagnosis, they'll receive it, and they'll also receive the clear remedy from the Savior. Thank you that he is a healer. Not just physically, but he can heal the soul. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got an outline and want to follow along, I'm going to go on and give you the main idea from the get-go. And uh, the main idea is this, that busyness can lead to barrenness. Busyness can lead to barrenness. So we go on and identify, so we're up front about it. Here's what we're talking about, is a condition called busyness. Busyness. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would say that right now in your life you're very, very busy? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just, you're just very, very, very busy. Now, we live in a culture that esteems highly busyness, right? In fact, if I asked 10 people this morning, I, I almost did this, but, but, then, but they didn't want to set anybody up, so to speak. So, so uh, if I asked 10 people, how has your week been? I don't know. This is unscientific. This is just a guess on my part. At least six or seven would say, oh, man, it's been so busy. We live in a culture where that's a good thing to say, right? So I want to I define the problem with busyness because from the, front, from, from the get-go, uh, Jesus has us on earth to be active and to be engaged, to, to, be, to be out there, to be busy about his business. So we want to be able to define this term accurately. So let's, let's look here in Luke 10. We're going to meet a very busy lady. We want, to, we want to get some things that are true of her and then just allow God's word to speak to us. And while we, if, if we say what's true of Martha and you say, oh, that's yeah, kind of like that, kind of like that, kind of like that. That's what God's word is for. It shows us ourselves. It's like a mirror. Verse 38, chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So let's walk through it together. And the first mark there on your outline is busy people do not appear to be opposed to Jesus. Busy people do not appear to be opposed to Jesus. The first verb associated with Martha in this text is in verse 38. And what is it? And a woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed him into Her house, she's not anti-Jesus. She doesn't slam the door in his face when he shows up at her door. She's polite, she's accommodating. On the surface, 
she's not opposed to him. And as we'll see, it's not what she does before he enters her house, but what she does while he's in her house that reveals the state of her heart. But first I want you to notice the the difference between Martha's response to Jesus and something that had happened not long before. Just look over here in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. So just the previous chapter. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So we're tracking along. Not long before this, Jesus had entered a village and tried to enter a few homes and they were opposed to him. Closed the door in his face. You're not welcome here. We're not going to provide accommodations for you. Can't eat at my house. Get out. But that's not what Martha does. In fact, in between this, uh, Jesus makes that statement, right? Doesn't he make it at the end here in Luke 9? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He had somewhere to lay his head in Bethany that night, one of the rare times he had. So, so Martha welcomes him into her house. Now, busy people are not necessarily overtly opposed to Jesus. They're, they're not people who say, we want nothing to do with him. This is why we call the soul sickness of busyness subtle. Most people can't diagnose it. Did you know we're not really good at diagnosing our own trouble? We think we are, and that's part of our trouble. <laughs> it's, it's a sickness form in people who can even appear to be helpful to Jesus. They regularly attend church may not only regularly attend church, they may be active in serving the church. They might be the hardest working people in the church, always active. They might teach Sunday school. They might serve as deacons. Hey, they might even pastor. Nobody thinks of them as being opposed to Jesus. And again, this is hard for us because busyness is esteemed in our culture. Our schedules are packed But what Jesus begins to teach us is that not everything that we're doing needs doing. Not everything we're doing needs doing. Wisdom tells us, let's use Jesus' word, what's necessary from what's unnecessary. I've seen more people drift away from the Lord due to busyness than just about anything. The busyness of a newborn baby, the busyness of a new job, the busyness of a family schedule, and it's gradual, but they drift and they drift and they drift. Now, let me say again clearly, Jesus is not anti-hard work, amen? As a matter of fact, I think Christians should be the hardest working people there are. Christians should be the best employees on the job. Christians should be the best bosses in the workforce. Christians should be the best students in the classroom. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all for the glory of God. Well, that's a hint. Martha's not working for the glory of God. Martha's actually working for the glory of Martha. The issue with busyness, however is that it often results in our work not being motivated for the right reasons and not directed in the right way. I think it's always helpful to study Scripture in context. That's why, for the most part, our practice is to study uh, through books of the Bible. 
But, but notice where Luke, and you remember, we've studied the Gospel of Luke. We've even studied this passage before, obviously. Uh, Luke set out at chapter 1, he said, I'm going to provide you an orderly account of Jesus' ministry. And, and so I want you to notice that Mary and Martha, this scene comes right after something and then right before something. Look at the verse that immediately proceeds. This is the Good Samaritan parable. We're not going to go, that's a great passage. But just look how, look how it concludes. He said... The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and what? You go and, you go and do. You go and do likewise, right? Because the whole point of the Good Samaritan passage is, here comes a religious person. He comes up to somebody who's fallen among robbers and thieves. They've left him half dead. And and a Levite comes by and he passes by on the other side. And a priest comes by and he passes by on the other side. And then a Samaritan, the most despised people in the Jewish culture, he comes by and when he saw him, he had compassion. And, and interrupted his whole schedule and, and, and poured oil and wine on his wounds and, and put him on his own animal and paid sacrificially for the man to be helped. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. So if we're not careful, if we're not careful. We just say, okay, well, we're just going to go do and do and do and do and do. And then on the heels of that, we meet a doer, but her doing is off kilter. And then immediately after this passage, what do we have? Lord, would you teach us to pray? Right? This is the Lord's prayer comes immediately after. And, and I think what, in the scope of the context, Jesus is teaching us is be a doer, but have your doing be directed by Jesus. Does that make sense? I mean, I mean the American church is not, not busy. What we have to ask is our church busy about what the Lord said to do. Take my gospel to the nations. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And that's where Martha coming into trouble. Some of us are not busy uh, necessarily with a schedule. We're just busy with worry or busy with a- anxiety. Busy with fear. Listening, praying, doing. That, that, that's, the, that's the order. Th- those who are busy about doing without listening and praying inevitably stop doing according to the words of Jesus. They adopt their own agenda. And by the way, isn't that exactly what Martha does? And anyone who listens and prays without doing, on the other side of the scale, inevitably becomes bloated with a lot of knowledge and they have not put into practice. They become what James warns about. Do not be a hearer of the word only. You see what what's the Bible say? Hear the word and then do the word. You see, we can get it wrong on either way. Hear it, but don't do it. Or do without having first heard. Good physical health, we all know this. No matter what next diet fad comes out, if you want to be healthy, you've got to eat well and do regular exercise. Good spiritual health involves a good diet of listening to the Lord and exercising what he's said. Now, secondly here, busy people develop certain habits. Let's look a little bit more closely at this text. Busy people start developing habits. So here's where we're going to get a diagnosis. That, that These habits develop over time. And again, it's not like an allergic reaction and all the, the signs are there immediately, but they happen over time. First of all, Martha was distracted. She's distracted. Do you find it hard to focus on what you're really supposed to be doing? Does it seem like your schedule has so many things on it, you don't even really know where to begin? Anybody, this happened to anybody? You wake up in the morning, what? first of all, you have to answer this question. What day is it? Anybody else, is this just me? What day is it? Where am I? <laughs> just, just me, I guess. Oh, it's this such and such. Oh, that means that, and the kids got to be there, and I got to do this, and I. She's just distracted. She's distracted with what? Distracted with much 
sinning? No. Distracted with much serving. Again, no overt disobedience. But let's make a connection here. And this is, this, this is an important point. While she was serving, she was not serving in accordance with what Jesus said to do. Now, we need to be rescued from this. I know I need to be rescued from this in my own mind. Sometimes I go, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Jesus, would you bless this? You, you know what would be wiser? Let's listen to what he said he would bless and then go do that. Amen? But, but this is how we get. We, 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 we get the cart. How's the saying go? The cart before the horse, right? I'm just going to go do this. But we have to ask, did Jesus tell us to, to, do, to do that? Um, we learned this about Martha, and, and it can be true of us too. She was working hard, serving much according to her own directing, her own inclination of what needed to be done. She was distracted with self-guided serving. Now here's what we have to ask. What was she distracted from? First of all, we already answered this. What was she distracted with? Much serving. But then what, dis- what was she distracted from? Verse 40 follows on the heels, obviously, verse 39. Here's what verse 39 says. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. So what's she distracted from? She's distracted from listening to Jesus. So this real, real quick question. We're going to talk about this more at the end of the sermon. But, but do you listen to Jesus? Do you intentionally listen to him? You say, well, how do you do that? We're going to talk about that. So he did, he's not coming to my house. Well, he, he has come to your house. I don't know if you know this or not, in, in, in a way. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a moment. But, but here's, uh, I'll give you a little, a little, little piece of, uh, of, the, of the remedy. We can be rescued from busyness when we make it the priority to, to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. She's distracted from not listening. A major component of Martha's diagnosis is not what she's doing but what she's not doing. How would this work, by the way, in other walks of life? Let's take the military. If the commanding officer was present and a subordinate officer was concocting his own scheme or plan of action and refusing to listen to the superior officer, what would we call that? What was that called? It's called, it's called insubordination. It's called uh, mutiny, right? I'm not going to listen to what they have to say. I'm going to decide what I want to do. And here's what happens to busy people. They, well, this, is, this is important because it's right here in the text. They begin not only to make plans for themselves, but they also believe they know what everyone else should be doing. Brings us to our next point. Martha was annoyed with her sister. <laughs> She's over there busy. I, I, I always think when I think of this scene, I always think, you know, that... Uh, uh, Mary's in there sitting at Jesus' feet. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to think how this had gone right. Martha's the hostess. Uh, It's it's her house. Apparently, her sister lives with her, okay? So we need to know that dynamic. It says it here. And and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, right? So so apparently, Mary's come along, and and Martha appears to be the older sister. Martha's allowing Mary to live at her house. She's helping Mary, and now she's serving. And can't you feel the, the annoyance coming? Can't you? It's kind of like building like a volcano. I, I imagine there have been a few throat clearings, right? 
Mary, get in here. Maybe the pots have been clammed or slammed together a few times, right? And then I, 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 I don't know if there was a corner. I don't know how the house was designed. But I see her coming and just kind of giving that look. Right? And, and there Martha is just still listening. Still listening to him. I want you to think about this for a moment. We've read this so many times, but think about this. Jesus Christ himself. The word become flesh is in her house. He's teaching. And she's not listening. She's distracted. And she's becoming annoyed. Now, here's here's an issue with busy people. Is they're not listening, and they begin to get annoyed with people who are listening. Why is she still in there listening? Why are they reading their Bible again? Are you going to church again? Haven't you already been to church this week? Didn't you just go this morning? Did you, did, 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 did. Right? And, and then there comes a moment, this comes a moment, maybe this has happened in your family, where she's thrown out all the hints, she's cleared her throat a number of times, she's done everything she knows to do, and she just can't take it anymore. She enters the scene. She interrupts Jesus as he's teaching. She went up to him. Now, now, if you've read through Luke's gospel, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable that the, the phrases of, they went up to him. For example, the leper goes up to him and pleads with Jesus. Uh, uh, the, the, the centurion goes up to Jesus, pleads. Uh, Jairus goes up to Jesus, falls on his face. Same phrase, she goes up to him, but there's no humble pleading. There, there's a, uh, I'm just going to use this word, there's a bossiness about her. Busy people become bossy people. I mean, it's one thing to boss Mary. It's another thing to boss God. By, by the way, can we probably agree that the busiest job has to be being God, right? Wouldn't that be the busiest job? To be God? Uh, as a matter of fact, here's another remedy for busy people is when you realize he's got that job already, right? He's got that job. He's God. He, he, he's God. Uh, Martha has created in her house uh, an atmosphere where, where she's kind of the boss, even of Jesus. Because she goes up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister, I mean, this is passive aggressive, that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. Next on your outline, Martha told Jesus what to do. Martha told Jesus what to do. Uh, Busy people who've gotten caught up and distracted, not not necessarily with bad things, good things. It's good good things to to raise your children. They got activities and get them to ball practice and, 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 and get them to school and help them with their homework and change their diapers to take classes to get your education none of these things are bad things but sometimes busy people get to a place where they think they know what should be done but so far removed from the heart of Jesus they adopt a me versus the world attitude they think they're the only ones who are with it and they grow self-defensive and critical of others. Isn't that what she's done? 
Uh, she welcomed him, and now she's bossing him. <laughs> That's how it can happen. I'm not opposed to Jesus. I just want him to do what I tell him to do. That's not Christianity, by the way. Sometimes it passes for Christianity. I welcomed him. I welcomed him into my heart, but I don't listen to a word that he says. That's not biblical Christianity. Look carefully at the statement. Jesus, Lord, hey, hey, using the correct terminology. But I got to tell you this. If you use the word Lord and immediately follow that by telling the Lord what to do, you didn't really understand that word, right? I mean, if he's Lord, he tells you what to do. You don't tell him what to do, right? But Lord, Lord, do you not care? Now, this is a, this is a little bit of a little guess on my part. That's an educated guess. What, what's Jesus been teaching? Now, we're not told in this text... I'm doing a little bit of educated guess based on what has become the theme of his teaching at this season of his ministry. Uh, and that's just an immediate preceding chapter. Luke 9, verse 22. Jesus saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Uh, Luke 9, 44, let these words seek into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Luke 9, 62, no one puts the hand to the plow, looks back, spit for the kingdom of God, right? My, my, my guess is that is that Jesus is talking about the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem and suffer. Can you imagine how inconsistent this is? <laughs> if he's in the house teaching the gospel. And then she says, Lord, do you not care? But that's where busy people get. It, it is, they start saying, God, do you not care? Do you not care? Do you not care? Do you not care? How, how could Jesus care any more than he does? He's in her home. He's in the world to go to Jerusalem to be crucified. It's a a ridiculous question. Let's put it that way. It's an absurd question. It's an inappropriate question. But that's what can happen with with busy people. Now, look, look at these habits real quick that Martha's gotten into. She's distracted. She's annoyed with her sister. And she told Jesus what to do. So, so here you take a step back and just, you know, just allow the Holy Scripture to, to correct, to edify, just put a spotlight on. Are any of those habits in your life? you just distracted. Uh, you annoyed, easily annoyed with people. Sometimes the people closest to you, your husband, your wife, your children, find yourself losing your temper with them. And, and she told Jesus what to do. Now, now, we take that list. Here's what listening to Jesus affords, the very opposite. Instead of being distracted, you become focused. The Word of God, you listen to Jesus, you you listen to Him daily, it it allows you to create filters in your life between what's necessary and what's unnecessary. Busyness often, honestly, is a result of just allowing a whole lot of unnecessary into life. This, this hopefully won't come across to you as an oversimplification, but here's a filter to use. Jesus said there's two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm allowing activities that are not in line with those commands, then guess what? Sometimes those activities just got to go. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you, I'm not going to be able to do that. 
Now, uh, you, you, you might want to look at your schedule and say, if, if busyness, if our family's just taxed or, you know, we're, we're just maxed out and, and I really don't have any time left over because here's, here's what happens. The first thing to go often is listening to Jesus. I stopped reading my Bible. Hadn't prayed in weeks. I don't have a, a relationship with him of vitality. It's usually tied that we stopped listening. Um, briefly, I want to mention that Kevin DeYoung has a great book on this subject called Crazy Busy. Uh, I love the subtitle, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. But um, he, uh, all this book's great, but I just want to highlight one thing. He says uh, that busyness is often a manifestation of pride, which we did put on the seven deadly sin list, by the way. And busyness can result uh, from, uh, he he gives a list here of things that start with the letter P. And as I read them, I thought, man, Martha, she's, she's all about this. Busyness can be the result of people pleasing. We're busy because we try to do too many things. We do too many things because we say yes to too many people. Not only people pleasing, there's pats on the back. This is the most obvious kind of pride, living for the praise of others. Performance evaluation, as in we need to overrate our own, right? Isn't that what Martha's doing? She, she's saying, I'm doing this better. Mary's doing it worse. Tell her then to help me. Possessions. We just want more and more. Or proving myself. Ambition for our own glory, I'm reading from his book, must not be confused with ambition for God's glory. Some of us never rest because we're still trying to prove something to our parents or ex-girlfriend or our high school coach. Next P was pity. Let's face it, people feel sorry for us if we're so busy. If we get our lives under control, we won't seem nearly so impressive and people won't ooh and awe over our burdens. Poor planning. Power. I need to stay busy because I need to stay in control. Martha's got a little bit of that going on, doesn't she? Perfectionism. I can't let up because I made a mistake. Position. I do too much because that's what people like me are supposed to do. Prestige. I'll keep pushing myself, I'll finally be somebody. Or, a new one in our day, posting. For honest, pride lies behind much of the social media revolution. And the church said... (laughs) Doesn't matter how big or small our following, we can turn Facebook and Twitter into outposts for our glory. Or, and this is more my struggle, he writes... We can fear that others will think if we don't show up for hours, days, or weeks, we we don't disappoint hundreds of people we've never met. (laughs) A lot of truth to that. All right, well, uh, let's get to the let's get to the remedy. Number three: busy people are greatly loved by Jesus. Busy people are greatly loved by Jesus. Jesus seeks to liberate us from so many things. And being anxious and troubled is on the list. Martha, Martha, you are... Now, I have full, a full expectation that Martha's assumption was she was going to go in there. She was going to tell Jesus what he should do. And Jesus was going to say, oh, Martha, 
You're so wise and discerning. Mary, you should be in there helping her. It's not what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You don't have to put a hand up again. Anybody in here anxious and troubled about many things? One thing is necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Anxiety and trouble by many things is one of the things that the cross frees us from. We're free not to be anxious about our sin debt. We're free not to be troubled about death itself. We're free not to be anxious about so many things the world's anxious about. Jesus is in her home, but anxiety is in Martha. One of the others got to go. One of the others not going to stay there. If Jesus is staying, anxiety's going. If anxiety's going to rule, Jesus can't stay. But Jesus wants to stay. So first, Jesus listened to Martha. He does not chastise her. He does not berate her. He says, say, oh, you've lost your mind. I, I think we again, all agree the busiest job in the world must be being God, right? Now, that's a busy job. But Jesus has time for her. He has time for her questions. He's got time for her concerns. And second, Jesus lovingly corrected Martha. Now it's time for the diagnosis. Uh, Jesus had never once said, hey, Martha, you better get in here and listen to me. Stop all that fiddling in the kitchen. Get in here and listen to what I have to say. That's not how Jesus is. But he's there, right? The diagnosis. Anxious and troubled about many things. Well, that diagnosis fits you this morning. Anxious and troubled about your kids, about your grandkids, about the world, about the economy, about the Middle East. I mean, there are plenty of things to be anxious and troubled about, potentially, aren't there? The prescription, though, is this. One thing is necessary. What's the one thing? What's he implying is necessary? Mary has chosen the good portion, and it won't be taken from her. It's it's listening to Jesus. So let's do this quickly. Choosing what is necessary. And I'm using that word because that's the word Jesus used. Mary has chosen the good portion. It's got to be a deliberate, thought-through choice in your life. It's not going to just happen. Busyness can just happen. Busyness is the result of people who just let the schedule dictate to them. It's got to be a choice. So, so number one, you've got to believe that listening to Jesus is necessary. That it really is necessary. It's not something we'll do if we've we got time. It's, it's not something that we'll get to. It's, it's, it's necessary. So let's get real practical for a moment. If you've, if you've got your bulletin this morning, you've got uh, something that I put in there for you. If you've got it, you just put it out. I know the printing's kind of small on it. It's a, it's a book at a time Bible reading plan. Did you get that in your bulletin? You just, you just get that out. And uh, this is real self-explanatory, isn't it? It's got a schedule, and it's, it's, it's a read through the Bible in a year. This is, we're not reinventing the wheel here, any, anything like that. But what it is, it's a daily, daily Bible reading plan. You say, well, how do I listen to Jesus? You listen to Jesus because you have his word. This is, this is, this is how you listen to Jesus. The Bible kind of talks back to you, I don't, if, if, you'll, if you'll read it. So, so one, you've got to start with a choice. Believe it's necessary. Are you right now, and this isn't, a legalist, this isn't a legalistic demand. I'm telling you that you'll never be a healthy Christian if you don't spend time in God's Word daily. You've never met a mighty man of God, woman of God, who doesn't regularly spend time in the Word. It just won't happen. I know we all know this, but I just want to encourage you again. 
that if you'll get in the habit of it, you, you'll find that uh, it won't take long till you say, how did I ever, how did I ever not do this on a regular day, basis? Two, to purpose to listen to Jesus daily. Some of us, we just got to make an appointment. We just got to say, it's, it's 7 a.m. See, I'm not a morning person. I'm not either. <laughs> the question is not, are you a morning person? The question is, are you a Jesus person? Let's make an appointment. Have a plan. And then I'd say, uh, third, interact with the Bible. Don't just read it, but interact with it. Now, uh, it wasn't too long ago. It wasn't too long ago. I was over at the grocery store, and I was walking down an aisle. This has been about 10, 12 years or so ago. I was walking down the aisle, and, and, and this lady was there talking. And I looked over at her, and I said, this lady looks like she's out of her mind. She's just sitting there talking. She's looking at the cereal box, and she's just talking, talking, talking. And, and, and then she turned around, and she had one of these, after I watched her for one of these little Bluetooth things. You know what I mean? And I said, oh, she's talking on the phone. Okay, I get it now. All right. But do you remember when it was strange at first? It's not strange anymore, is it? I mean, you go by people talking in their car. You're like, you know, in 1995, that would have been weird. You might have gotten pulled over. But now we're just people just talking, right? Because we um, got to get to the point in your house where it's not strange anymore that you're talking out loud as you read the Bible. Yeah, at first it would be weird. Somebody would be over at your house and they'll hear mom talking. Well, is everything all right with your mom? And your children are just learning, yeah, she's talking to the Lord. And that'd be fine. You got to interact with the Bible, and so so uh, it's going to speak to you. Got to got to learn to talk back as you read a Bible. Here, here's just a few simple questions to ask as you read through the text. Is there a is there a command to obey? Did God say something here in His Word? A command to obey. Uh, these are the these are the same questions I ask when I study the Bible for sermon preparation. The uh, secrets out. This is how I this is how I write a sermon. Is there a command to obey? As I read this text, is there a command to obey? You better believe there is. There's one thing that's necessary. Listen to God. Listen to Jesus. Is there an example to follow? Yes and no. Example to follow? Yeah, follow Mary's example. Don't follow Martha's example. Is there a sin to avoid? That's the whole sermon, isn't it? Busyness. Busyness. You say, how is that a sin? How is busyness a sin? It's a sin because it's breaking the great command to love him more than anything else. Is there a promise to believe? Is there a promise to believe? Mary's chosen the better portion, and it will not be taken from her. A lot of the stuff that we've crammed our schedule with, you can't say that about. It's going to be taken. It's going to be gone. What's this passage teach us about God? Jesus loves busy people. It's where I got that. So teach us about it. He's welcoming her. And then what does this teach us about people? Well, those are all the things that we said about Martha, right? Now, um, uh, you'll see in your bulletin coming up, we're going we're gonna to have a Bible reading group. You don't, you don't have to join the Bible reading group. I've just found in my own life, it's helpful if I'm in it with somebody else. You know what I mean? Whether it's going to the gym or whatever it is. I've got some other people with me. So you'll, you'll see that. And this is the Bible plan we're going to be reading. You don't have to join that group to use this Bible plan. You don't even have to use this Bible plan. Just in my uh, experience, this is, a, this is a good one to use. Give you a concluding application and, uh, and then we'll have our invitation. I don't know what, what the grocery store is on the mind today, but I was thinking about this last night before I went to bed. I don't even really know why this came to my mind when Priscilla is just a little bitty thing. She's probably two years old. Julie had her at the grocery store, and uh, they, they were on that back aisle with where the yogurt was. And our kids love yogurt, so they were getting... And, and Julie got a um, yogurt out, and Priscilla pointed at it and said, Mama's yogurt. When she's just learning to talk really well. Got another one out. Gaga. This was called Mary Claire. Gaga's yogurt. 
Bobble's yogurt, Abel's yogurt. And then Julie asked her, where's daddy's yogurt? And uh, she looked at the yogurt and then she turned around and behind her was the ice cream. (laughs) And she pointed at the ice cream and she said, daddy's yogurt. That's what what daddy's like. I think about that because I want want my children to say, it's daddy's book. You know, that's that's what daddy loves. Man won't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If there had been an observer in the home, they would have said, two sisters live here, and Jesus came one day, and one of them really listened to Jesus. The other didn't. I, I want to be somebody who really listens to, to Jesus. Concluding summary. I think this is what Jesus is saying. Listening to Jesus is not the only thing we are to do, but it is the first thing we are to do. Let's stand together and pray together. Would would you make a commitment this morning, if not already, I, I know many of you read God's Word on a regular basis, but would you make a commitment to choose the one thing necessary each day. We're going to have our invitation and we've got the joy of commissioning Chris and Sarah Rose. Would you bow your heads with me? We'll pray together. Anybody in the room this morning got a welcoming, accommodating? You're not anti-Jesus, but you just never really submitted to him truly as Lord. You maybe even called him Lord like Martha did. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you submit to him? Or are you more in the business, perhaps, subtly, without even knowing it, you've gotten in the trap of telling him what to do? Annoyed with people. Jesus loves you just like he loves Martha. He's here to give a, pers- he's, he's here to give a diagnosis and a prescription. Some of us need to take this time of our invitation just to do an inventory of our family schedule, of our, of our life right now? Has it gotten crammed with, with good things? But if good things replace God, they're bad things. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead our time. I'm going to pray. The invitation is open. Anybody wants to come down to the front, pray to the Lord. You're welcome to do that. I'll stand right here. If anybody's never submitted to Christ as Lord, I stand right here, pray together, we'll set up a time to talk together. Father, thank you that Jesus would, would even come to earth, would even come to Bethany, would even enter a home. What a picture, what a scene. What a, what a Savior. Again, Father, our prayer as we started this morning, we prayed again. Guard us from being a people who welcome Jesus, but don't really listen to him. Guard us from the snare of busyness. Now, now, we do pray. We do pray. Again, believing Jesus isn't saying that all we do is sit at his feet and listen. No, the whole reason we sit and listen is so that we will go and work hard. We will go to the nations. We will go across the street. We will sacrifice in order to take the gospel 
Well, we'll love people, but we want to do it in accordance with His leading and His directing. And that will guard us from ever being so presumptuous to tell you what you should be doing. Thank you that in your wisdom you did what needed to be done. Jesus is busy about redeeming lost humanity. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. May he be exalted in Jesus' name. Amen.